What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Apaji. It is Tuesday, February 21st, 2023, just past 10 p.m. Central Time. It's been two days since the NBA All-Star Game on Sunday, in which the Mavericks had two participants in that game, both starting for Team LeBron. Uh, Team LeBron was defeated 184-175. to the two players were obviously Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie Irving had eight times as many points as Luka in this game. That's that's correct, eight times as many points. Kyrie Irving had 32 points to go along with 15 assists. And Luka Doncic had four points to go along with five assists. And, you know, Kyrie's obviously a 2014 All-Star MVP, and he was gunning for the award in this game. Uh, but Jason Tatum had that incredible stretch there in the third period of the game and I think ultimately beat out Kyrie for the award especially because Jason Tatum of Team Giannis won the game uh, but regardless it was I guess it was a fun game I think uh, for Mavs fans to actually have a player who tried in the all-star game and so uh, now we shift our focus back to the regular season for the final 22 games of the Mavericks season they currently sit Sixth in the Western Conference, but very precariously there, having lost their last three games. They're only half a game ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, and half a game outside of the play-in. So obviously we're looking for the Mavericks to make a run here in the second, not the second half of the season, but the final 22 games of the season. And Luka and Kyrie still need their first win as a duo, so they get their chance to do that on Thursday when the San Antonio Spurs come to town. Uh, Then they got the Lakers on Sunday. And the Pacers, 76ers, Suns, so on and so forth. Uh, so some big games coming up here right after the All-Star break. And it's been a while since we've done a real podcast. We've been doing mostly Twitter spaces, uh, you know, with the trade deadline and all that stuff happening. So appreciate everyone joining for that. But we're back doing a traditional podcast. We got everyone here. Rohan, Fazel, Vinay. How's it going, guys? Going well, man. How are you doing? I'm great, but, you know, very anxious for this game against the Spurs on Thursday. Same. Uh, it's good to be back on podcast, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been doing pretty well myself, and I'm excited to see the Mavs come back. And again, as I'm pretty sure I've talked numerous times before, um, especially on the spaces with a healthy roster. So um, easy stretch of the schedule, healthy roster. You know, now we're actually cooking with something. Yeah, we are. Um, the Mavericks finally got their all-star that they've been craving for so long. Um, I didn't think that it was going to be possible, honestly. Um, but I think credit the Mavs front office for pouncing on the opportunity to go and get Kyrie Irving, uh, especially with what the Nets did shortly thereafter, uh, which was trade Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns, which we talked about on our spaces and reacted live to that happening. Uh, but I think... You do have to give the Mavs front office credit, despite the risky nature of the move, uh, to pounce on that. Because had they waited even, you know, a day longer, right? Uh, if Kevin Durant requested a trade, then we likely wouldn't be having Kyrie Irving because, you know, the Mavericks gave up Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith and a first-round pick. Uh, but, you know, in terms of future-facing offers, that probably wasn't the best one that they could get. So... Uh, glad that things worked out the way they did. And of course, I think between our last episode on the feed, which is the Twitter spaces, and now the Mavericks signed Justin Holiday uh, to their roster. So they got another 
you know, wing player uh, for some depth. I don't know how much he's going to contribute, but I guess it's always good to have more players on the wing, especially those that can defend. Yeah, I will say, though, that um, just as a general reminder, buyout market players are, you know, 99% of the time, and I don't think I'm being too hyperbolic there, you can't expect too much from them. And Justin, uh, Justin Holiday, he's got a track record of being a successful, productive role player. But, uh, you know, this season, his stats with the Hawks uh, before he got waived, of course, they were indicative of somebody who's washed. So uh, we'll see how he does. We will. Um, but, you know, let's not expect him to make some kind of incredible impact on the season. Just like you could have said that the same thing about Terrence Ross, for that matter. So um, Wait, who? Know. Who? <laughs> Uh, not familiar with that player, honestly. Yeah. Um, going back to Fazel's point, yeah, on the buyout market, like you're not going to get a lot usually from that market. But if Justin Holiday can somehow turn into a, I don't know, ten to twelve minute playoff rotation member of this team, this playoff run, then it's a successful signing. So that's kind of like what I'm hopeful for that he can turn into. If he can somehow turn into a ten to twelve three pointer per game player, I think this would be a successful signing. Um, yeah, but, but on the real though, like any kind of regular season impact he gives or even down to like what he gives you in practice, um, that's obviously behind the scenes for the most part. Um, that's, that's valuable too. Um, he's probably going to be a good veteran presence for this team and, uh, he and Kyrie might share some certain beliefs, but, uh, that's for another place in time. Nah, man, Kyrie's out. He's coming to LA. Uh, the lizard overlords actually just told me. I got the leaks. I know horses on Wait, the podcast. How, how, yeah, how, how, who got? Who sent him the link? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I also don't expect Justin Holiday to contribute much. But uh, I think he's more of a depth signing. Um, I honestly wasn't thrilled as a fan uh, to see that because I would have much preferred Terrence Ross. But we've, I think, we've already spent too much time talking about. A guy who's probably not going to play much. <laughs> Bingo. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's talk about Luca and Kyrie because I think that's really going to be the focus of the Mavericks for the last twenty-two games of the season. I mean, we've already seen how much offensive potential that they have. Uh, you know, the first game that they played was uh, the second night of the back-to-back in Sacramento. Um, obviously, the first two games of Kyrie Irving's tenure with the Mavs were really impressive. Uh, firstly, was that win uh, in LA against the Clippers, in which he had 24 points. The second game uh, was a blowout win of the Kings in Sacramento, uh, and the Mavericks were really moving the ball in those games with a lot of off-ball actions. And you know, Kyrie looked all the part of a star in those games. Um, in the third game, that was when Luca came back. The you know, the two of them got off to I think a slow start in that game, but by the fourth quarter, you really saw. Uh, you know, the kind of offensive potential they had. Of course, you know, some some issues in the clutch that we observed in that game. Uh, and of course, Monday's game, or last Monday's game against the Timberwolves, uh, again, wasn't a great game in the beginning. Mavericks fell down by 26 points uh, at one part of the game. Uh, Kyrie got off to a slow start. But in the fourth quarter, man, uh, we got a full glimpse of why Kyrie Irving is regarded as the electric player that he is. Uh, because he had 26 points in the fourth quarter of that game. You know, he helped the Mavericks come all the way back to have a chance to tie the game. And unfortunately, they just couldn't get a shot off there in regulation. But 26 points 
in one quarter is, I believe, the third highest scoring quarter in Mavericks history um, after Dirk's 29 and Luka's 28. And then 26 is also Kyrie Irving's highest scoring quarter of his career. So, you know, some some Mavs history and some Kyrie Irving history right there in that game on Monday. Uh, Vinay and I, of course, were, were there for that game, which was great to see Kyrie in person. Uh, and then, of course, Kyrie Irving missed the final game before the All-Star break with back tightness. Uh, but glad to see that it, you know, didn't really keep him out very long. And I'm, I'm antsy to see them get their first win together. Yeah, I was at the Clippers game. Uh, definitely a good experience to see Kyrie Irving on the floor in a Mavs jersey. Um, a lot of skills that former Mavs guards have definitely not had. Um, we'll say, yeah, haven't had a large sample size, haven't gotten to see everything work synchronously yet, but that 26-point quarter was... I mean, the Mavs weren't in that game without that performance by Kyrie. So, yeah, it, it was a preview at what the two can do on the floor together and the fact that Kyrie can still be effective. I think it shuts up a lot of the a lot of the nonsense that people like to say. So, yeah, but I guess it's really just left to see. I think the Spurs and just the schedule in general going forward isn't as difficult as the schedule has been to this point for the Mavericks. So hopefully they can string together a couple wins, health permitting. Everybody gets back to the floor, including Maxi. And Maxi's the one. I don't think we've gotten a specific date as to when he's back, but no, I, I feel I, like I think he's coming back the first game um, or Thursday. That's what Tim McMahon said on their most recent podcast. Okay, perfect. So, I mean, as we've seen in the Kyrie Luca era, and even not even even before we got Kyrie, like the defense has just been piss poor this whole season. And you know, if it's going to continue to be bottom third remainder of the year, this team isn't going to go necessarily very far. Obviously, that includes part of the season where Maxi hasn't been in the lineup. Not saying he's an all defensive force or anything like that, but it's pretty clear that he's crucial to what this team's defensive success lies on, and even more so now with. Dorian gone, like he's going to be a task to guard those bigger wings in the West that you might face on certain teams. Like Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, you know, you got, I guess you have the optimistic take with Maxi and the pessimistic take. I guess I'll start with the optimistic take because everybody wants to hear good interpretations first, I suppose. Um, the optimistic take is that he really is fully healed from this injury and is completely ready to go. And he has some just crazy Wolverine like healing factor. And he's, um, you know, he's going to take these last 20 or so games of the regular season to get back into shape fully. And then by the time the playoffs come, he'll be looking like, you know, himself in the playoffs last season, which was, I mean, in the regular season last year. I'm sure all of y'all remember Maxi kind of looked dead in the water, especially offensively. Like he couldn't buy three in so many games, and then you know the playoffs came came around and the 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 switch flipped, and he became a 16 game player, and we were all like, "Holy shit!" So you know that could happen again. Or the pessimistic take is that he is rushing back from injury, and he is like gonna look rusty as hell, and he might be cooked for the rest of the season. So. 
we uh, we'll see for sure. But you know, I think the Mavs they do generally tend to play pretty conservatively with their players' health, and I, I do think that's for the best, especially with a lot of these guys being so injury prone in past years. So, um, especially Maxi himself, who has had an injury history throughout his career. So, I if I had to pick one one way to go, I, I'd bet on Maxi being ready for game action. I'm neither optimistic nor pessimistic. I like to consider myself realistic in this situation. I do expect the Mavericks defense to improve. I don't think it's going to improve significantly, but it just may, they, they might be a little bit better to where it's not like a layup line. I mean, you know, I'm sure you saw this in the Clippers game, Rohan. I mean, Vinay and I witnessed firsthand just how little resistance the Mavericks defense has right now. The Timberwolves shot like 60% in that game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they got everything at the rim, uh, generated a lot of open threes. So it'll be a welcome sign to have, you know, a, a one competent defensive big man in the rotation. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, Maxi's not going to fix everything. At, at the end of the day, he's only one of five players on the floor. And defense is a lot of effort and team coordination so i mean maybe maxi's presence on the floor just gets guys to play harder but uh if this this we have the whole season sample size to go based on so from that perspective i don't expect too much to change but i suppose as a fan uh, i gotta hope that it you know it improves uh, to where the mavericks are at least not in the bottom third of the the defensive ratings yeah, the the Mavs perimeter defense can be salvaged, I believe, especially with Maxi on the floor. Uh, he's definitely switchable and is an anchor on that side. I think it's asking a lot of him, and maybe if you're being generous, him and JaVale on the floor together to be, I don't know, shoring up maybe an average interior defensive presence. Um it's sure the Mavs point of attack defense isn't great, but some of that can be coached. And even if the point of attack defense isn't great, as long as your rotations and your switches are good, you're not going to let an open three go by and somebody can rotate to the paint. But unfortunately, the Mavs don't have personnel that can do that. And I mean, y'all were talking about Justin Holiday earlier. I have been clamoring for a four that can at least screen. Um, and seems like we didn't get that. I understand that the league has changed, so there aren't as many of those guys as there used to be, but somebody switchable who can play interior defense um, and who can set screens and who can get rebounds. Yeah, it's a really fundamental basketball player, not a max contract, but you don't need that. Um yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. I would have liked to see at least a flyer on somebody who could produce instead. Somebody who can guard a little bit more on the perimeter so that Maxi isn't spread a little too thin. Somebody like Stanley Johnson, but obviously didn't see that happen. Um, I don't think that there are any solutions defensively for the Mavericks. Uh, I, I know the Clippers game without Luka isn't really saying much because that game looked very different than... The, they also the defended pretty well in that game, too, I thought. Yeah, um, but that was also the way the scheme was. Um, and also just... Also the day before the trade deadline, too, or two days before the trade deadline, a lot of those Clippers players Fair ended enough. up getting traded, and Fair I'm sure they, they need that, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a different matchup uh, with the Timberwolves. Uh, point of attack against the Timberwolves is, I don't know. It's it's. I'm more scared with uh, Anthony Edwards coming off a pick and roll than uh, Paul George. And that might sound silly, but uh, Anthony Edwards is way more devastating. No, I don't think that's silly at all. I mean, we don't have anyone on our roster that could have kept up with Anthony Edwards, like staying in front of Anthony Edwards. Like he got to the rim at will, and he was even hitting some weird mid-range shots and fadeaways and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, Rudy Gobert also in that game before he got benched, hilariously enough, at the end of that game, um, he was also a problem, especially on the glass. So kind of just like Brohan said, um, the issues or the internal fix of this defensive issues are not on this roster currently, I don't think. I think our way to improve the defense is with internal, like just more effort from everyone, especially 77. And we'll just see how it goes from there starting on Thursday. Yeah, um, you know, we we have already seen with our own eyes and uh, also confirmed by Theo Pinson on his podcast today that the Mavericks just have some more like a new energy uh, about them after the Kyrie trade. Um, and, you know, getting Maxi back, I'm sure, will also add to that. But I agree with you, Vinay, like, you know, there isn't one game changer that the Mavericks are going to have in this part of the season. Like, it's it's literally going to come down to more effort, you know, quicker, faster rotations, more pride in your individual defense. Uh, and then, you know, you, you add in a little bit of defensive talent with Maxi, but that's, that's realistically what we're, we can expect, I think, for the, for the remainder of the regular season. And if the Mavericks can improve a little bit, you know, I, we'll see them uh, hopefully get into the top four of, uh, you know, of the West. And if they don't, then we might see them slip into the play-in. But I'm leaning on the optimistic side because you got Luka, you got Kyrie, two of the best scorers in the game. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for this team to play worse than it has, I guess, in the last three games before the All-Star break. I agree with that. I don't think we've seen... I mean, people have already complained about are Luke and Kyrie going to share the ball? But, I mean, through their games together, I don't think the offense has been the issue. It's been their defense. And those two guys specifically, guys that can score 30 on most nights, like, offense isn't going to be an issue. And that kind of leads to Christian Wood maybe getting uh, less and less minutes since the Kyrie trade has happened. Like, you're not going to need his offensive punch or whatever he gives you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Luca and Kyrie are starting to learn how to play with each other. I mean, Luca's the leading first quarter scorer in the league. He's the leading third quarter, quarter scorer in the league. Kyrie is the leading fourth quarter scorer in the league. So, you know, I, I think that's a good starting point from them. And, you know, as as they play more games together, I think we'll start seeing them actually maximize their skill sets, like Luca playing out of the post and Kyrie moving around the perimeter. And then obviously when Luca's out of the game, Kyrie can pretty much uh, cook on his own. So uh that's not a concern for me like like you said defense um i've liked Kyrie's defense since the trade um you know i don't, I don't i've never really been a fan of his defense uh, in general but i i have at least been appreciative of his effort uh luca's defense i think has got to improve um and yeah i mean ever everyone's defense has got to improve um christian wood has been a pretty curious case since the trade i, I just don't know 
if there's anything we can really talk about other than like I'm I'm pretty sure we all can see where this is going uh, after this summer. Yeah, he's not going to be here. For, I'm pretty sure next year, um, and then it'll be curious to see exactly how far he gets squeezed in the playoff rotation when that happens. I don't have to say anything. I can just point at his Twitter feed. Just <laughs> oh yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, um, you guys all make a bunch of great points. Um, I do find it ironic how Vinay had mentioned that you know the Wolves were kind of playing pretty dominantly with Gobert on the court, and then when they benched him. I mean, I watched that game too. I thought when they benched him that the, that's when the Mavs really, they had already been starting to go on a run, but it didn't help that when Rudy went out, like, you know, of course they were hitting the, their threes as well. So that kind of like meant more. But um, without Rudy's presence, that like shifted a lot. And I do think the Wolves suffered for it and made that game closer than it was because of that. And, you know, that's again, like, we all shit on Rudy Gobert quite a bit across the NBA, but he does have his games, um, especially in the regular season, where he is like, there's no answer for him, um, defensively speaking. And that, again, that speaks to the issue that the Mavericks have, which is their their big man depth has always been weak for the past, you know, basically most of Luka's tenure. Um Sometimes Kristaps is given what the Mavericks needed defensively as, you know, a rim protector and um, a low post defense guy. Uh, sometimes he's given them what they need offensively as a big man. And then, you know, you go on to like Christian Wood. Sometimes, you know, in brief stretches, the brief stretches the season, he's given the Mavericks uh, a kind of a spark offensively. And even the run when he was starting before he broke his thumb. Uh, he was playing adequate defense for sure. Like he was making an impact, but again, at the end of the day, like this is a gigantic hole in the roster that needs to be addressed. And I think even more than like, you know, a two way wing player in the, in the vein of OG Ananobi. like, I feel like I've seen enough this season to indicate that. Um, sure. Maybe long-term and maybe if you have like finals aspirations, which the Mavericks do, that two-way wing player would be a little more important. But in terms of like trying to get a lot better immediately, um, addressing the big man depth, that's that's big. And seeing what the Mavericks can come up with to like um, do for that this season, it's almost an impossible task, but we'll have to see um, somehow. Like it might require a re-engaged effort from Christian Wood, but I I mean, I can't even pretend to be optimistic there. Like there's such little time left in the season. I don't I can't see that going well. Um and I'm I, I have no inside we don't have any inside information, so we can't like speculate on what exactly went wrong on what party. So I'm not gonna do that. But um as you guys mentioned as well, um, you know, defense is a team effort and everybody's got to do better, including Luca. But I'm just gonna like gently push back and say that at least at the beginning of the season he was playing some solid, very solid defense. Um, I just think that like in order to maintain his absurd offensive production um, combined with his nagging injuries, uh, such as the heel injury that took him out, you know, a couple of games leading up to the All Star break, that's why that's why Luca's been you know not so good in defense lately, and it's. 
I think we may have lost Fazel there, but I don't want to beat around the, the bush of defense too much um, before we actually see the games played here. But I think the, you know, conundrum that the Mavs face with Maxi, especially with him probably being their best defender right now, is that, you know, Fazel made a good point about Gobert. And I think that, that as far as matchups, you know, Dwight Powell, who's been the Mavs starting center, like Gobert is probably like the absolute worst matchup for him. Um, and now you get Maxi, who might start uh, in place of Powell. But the issue is like, do you want Maxi to be a rim protector or do you want him to be a wing defender? Like he can't be both, right? So if he is a wing defender, then you pretty much got to bank on him providing enough re- resistance on the perimeter to where you don't need that rim protector to clean up. Uh, but if he is a rim protector, then it puts a lot of burden on him at the same time to clean up the miss- the messes on the perimeter from the Mavs' other wing defenders. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they deploy him. I mean, it might be matchup-based. Um, you know, we might see some two big lineups with him and Wood or him and Powell. I could see definitely see that to get some more size on the floor. Um, so, yeah, and I think, you know, with Luka, hopefully the little bit of rest that he gets on offense now with Kyrie on the floor um, and the energy he saves from, you know, from that can, he can hopefully channel on the defensive end. Um, Because I agree, like he's been doing so much for this team. Like it's unreasonable to expect him to be, you know, this supernova offensive player and a plus defender. But I think we are going to need some close to plus defense from him. If the Mavericks want to do anything meaningful in the playoffs. No, I definitely agree. I still, for my money, I still think Luca in the bubble is the best peak of his defensive form since he's been in the NBA, but that might just be me. Um, and I don't think I've seen him be close to that, if I'm being honest. Like, there's flashes here and there, and especially last year, he was more consistent throughout the year on defense, but just for, like, the peak Luca defensive form, and ironically, that was, I think, when he was at his best shape physically. Um, I haven't seen that since then. I don't know if we'll get it necessarily this year, but... Um, Kyrie over Dinwiddie on a uh, just on I mean in offense offense and defense he's upgraded on Dinwiddie on both ends um, I know Dinwiddie's bigger but Kyrie's just with his hands and just like positioning and overall I think he's an upgrade on Dinwiddie in that regard now he, he absolutely is um, like Dinwiddie's playing style I think was just not suitable for what they needed from him um like like we always used to say like Dinwiddie was fine uh when he was playing with Luca but when he was the one running the second units like it just didn't work um and with Kyrie that's not a problem anymore so that's a big improvement I think for the Mavericks post trade deadline and you know if they can get some more improved defense and maybe figure out a way to integrate Christian Wood a little bit better I think, uh, you know, I like their chances against anyone. And, you know, they got some good tests here coming up. Like, they got Phoenix um, on March 5th. And that's going to be a huge game because it's the new look Mavs versus Phoenix, who's got KD and Devin Booker. And I I think Phoenix is probably the favorite in the West right now. But I like the Mavs' chances against anyone uh, with Kyrie and Luka in the fold. So that kind of takes me to, you know, my next topic is what are our expectations or goals for the final 22 games of the season. Um, like my target is 16 and six. I don't really know what six games, you know, the Mavericks 
will lose. I haven't looked at the schedule in that much detail yet, but uh, that you know, tw- with the easiest schedule remaining and twenty-two games remaining, I think ten games over five hundred uh, constitutes a strong finish to the season. You know, that's forty-seven wins. Still a step back from last year, but it's a respectable number. Uh, and in this West, I think that probably will get you a top four seed. I don't know exactly what record they'll finish with in the last 22 games. One thing I will say is because uh, they do have, I mean, according to some metrics, they have the easiest remaining schedule on strength schedule. Um, past Mavericks teams, last two years especially, like they they would fumble games against lottery teams consistently. Like that was like honestly like DNA of the Mavericks the last two years. And I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are this year, but I'm going to give them a new chance with Kyrie. And like the, they have to take care of business against those bad teams. Like they can't afford many slippages because, like we're two and a half, I believe, out of the three spot. We're also two and a half out of the eleven spot. And the eleven spot doesn't get you in the play-in tournament. It actually gets you out of the play-in tournament where you're not, you don't have any chance of the playoffs. So like you have to take care of business where you're supposed to take care of business. Yeah, um, I think just like you guys, I'm not too certain on an exact win-loss figure for the last 22 games. But if uh, 16 games, if 16 wins gets you, what, the 47 wins, then um, then I think that's roughly where a, a total win mark that I would like to see for the Mavericks, 47 to 48 wins. Um, and especially based off of the fact that we do have an easier schedule remaining. Like, I've looked at the schedule. I thought... I don't know what the schedules are like for all 29 other teams in the NBA, but I thought, you know, I was surprised when I heard that it was an easy schedule. I thought that was more like, I didn't think it was particularly difficult, but I did think it was like middle of the pack. So um, we'll see. I guess, you know, certain things have to be taken into consideration, like rest advantages and, uh, you know, if one team's on a back-to-back or not, uh, stuff like that. Um, I will say that I hope now that we have Kyrie that, and how everybody has noted that the Mavericks have a new energy about them um, within the team, that they will take these last 22 games seriously and beat up on the bad teams like they're supposed to. I do feel a little hopeful that I think one of the toughest stretches is going to be playing Memphis three times in very short succession. But we all know that the Mavericks have the Grizzlies' number um, historically, at least, and of course, the home opener from this season kind of indicated that. But that's not—I'm not, not going to use that as a strong data point. But I do feel hopeful that we'll be able to take the season series from them because uh, they've never really done anything to uh, adjust their team too much in the past couple of years, other than banking on internal improvement, which is valid for sure. But you know, we'll have to see how that bears out in the long term. Uh, no, no fucking pun. <laughs> Um, I do think that, I do think that, shit, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this now. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now too, and it is kind of weird to me that they are ranked so highly in terms of weakest strength of schedules because I mean, in the month of March, they play Philly twice. They play Memphis three times. They play the Suns. Like I understand there's some easy games in terms of like they play Charlotte twice and they're looking forward to Victor Wembayama. Um, but I mean, nothing's necessarily, it does, it's not as easy as that number might look to be. 
is what I'm trying to say. And especially the Sixers matchup, like Joel Embiid might be the worst matchup for us, for any team uh, in the NBA, just because of his sheer size and like the lack of sheer size we have on our team with our bigs. Oh yeah, yeah I was um, sorry. One one more point because I I remember what I was going to say. Um, yeah, so I I do think that health provided you know we will be able the mavericks will be able to reach a an optim one of the more optimistic win totals like 16 and 6 17 and 5 whatnot but of course health is not a given with the mavericks and you could have said that last season as well when the entire league got covid but that situation uh when the mavericks were their most injury ravaged or covid ravaged that that happened at roughly the same time that like a bunch of teams across the league were going through it so um I don't feel like that that holds up too much contextually um, as opposed to the poor injury luck the Mavericks have had this season. And then um, also there's just the factor that, you know, Kidd or the team might decide to rest certain players like Luka and Kyrie in, in the games for load management. So um, I, that's also something to consider. But Again, I guess to be hopeful, the Mavericks have historically been a strong second half team um, or a strong post All Star break team. So we will really just have to see. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, optimism is is founded based on history. Like you said, you know, the Mavericks have typically performed better uh, towards the latter half of the season than they have in the beginning of the season uh, for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, these last these last twenty two games are really just going to be refining the Luca and Kyrie dynamic, and hopefully, ending the regular season on a positive note, uh, going into the playoffs. Because as we saw last year, the playoffs is a lot of it is just about opportunity, right? It's about capitalizing on the opponents that you have in front of you, um, you know, taking whatever breaks you get and making the most out of them. And with a talent like Luca and a talent like Kyrie, I think anything is possible. Oh, definitely. And to answer your question, I want them to first goal, get out of the play-in tournament. And second goal would be get a top four seed where you're hosting that first round playoff series. And then, I mean, after that, who knows? But those would be my two goals for them for the rest of the season. And hopefully they can reach those goals. Yeah, I, I think the big thing I'm looking for is tightening up the rotations. Uh, I know from the overall discussion that I've gotten to hear tonight and, and generally have seen on Mavs Twitter, personnel-wise, don't have everything that you would want for the Mavs to be in that position that Vinay would deem as successful. I would also deem that as, as a successful end to the season. Um I think that you can put your best foot forward for the postseason. And I think some of that is solving some of these shoddy rotations that we've seen throughout the season. I know that there is some margin for just it's the season you're trying things out. Rick Carlisle had this exact thing. I just don't know how much trust I have in this coaching staff relative to the Carlisle coaching staff purely in maximizing the efficiency of this offense. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of experimenting that needs to be done that I don't... I'm just purely not sure whether 
the injury luck and also the load management is on their side going into the playoffs because they could be in a situation where they're winning games, but their rotations aren't as, I don't know, ironclad or as cut and dry as they should be at that point in the season. And frankly, as somebody who watches a lot of league pass now, I notice that as a big difference between the Mavs and other teams late in seasons, especially in the Luka era. I don't think there's any reason for that. No, you're definitely not wrong about, I mean, Rick Carlisle, especially since the title team, I mean, including the title team, like he was brilliant at getting the most out of the limited rosters that we gave him. And yeah, you're right. Jason Kidd, I mean, they did go to the Washington Carmen finals last year. I don't want to take that away from them, but um, they definitely have some areas of concern that I didn't necessarily have with Rick Carlisle. Yeah, I think this, you know, this is going to be a real test for Kid because the Mavericks uh, didn't have the same kind of defensive energy, I think, this year as they had last year. Um, a lot of it was attributed to Jason Kidd and the new style that he brought. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether he can recapture some of that uh, here before the playoffs and into the playoffs. Because as we saw last year, like the Mavericks were operating at, at peak efficiency, I think, on both ends, uh, but especially on defense going into the playoffs. And they were on a string defensively. Uh, this year, there's going to have to be a lot that changes for the Mavericks, I think, to operate at that level. But um that might I really speak to I think the coaching of Kid and if he can get it you know if he can get that out of them here, then I think uh, you know that might be one of his best accomplishments uh, as coach in Dallas. I agree. I also think I will say that if the JaVale McGee that showed up for the first couple of games post Kyrie trade uh, happens to reappear, then you know basically if he gets his vibe hands refilled, then that. That'll be good for the Mavericks, uh, especially in terms of the defensive presence they've needed. <laughs> that was an excellent joke that I hope gets the credit it deserves from our listeners. I zoned out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, having a, I'm having an argument. You on, need on five the ends, bro. Yeah, you're the one who needs it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I, I, I have not taken it today. So if I seem very low energy, it's it's definitely that and not the fact that i spent the weekend golfing at my resort in mar-a-lago um yeah i i genuinely think this is going to be a test of how far jason kidd's i don't know how his player philosophy kind of stretches into kind of his weaknesses as a coach and also i do want to say some of this is because of his coaching staff year to year isn't going to be exactly the same. Um, but I think the only major departure was Igor Kokoshkov, right? Yeah, that's the only major change. And I think they added um, they added a couple new assistant coaches this offseason, but nobody um, to the front of the bench. The only change that was made was Greg St. Jean took... Uh, Igor spot on the front of the bench, but the other assistants they added are, you know, back of the bench assistants. Yeah, so nothing to really single out there. It's just every every Rick Carlisle bench had two guys 
down the line that could be your head coach on any given night. Um, and we know that because there are head coaches across the league now, um, like five of them. So not to say that these guys couldn't. Obviously, they are all each very good. Um, just who knows how that mix contrasts with what the Mavs need right now. Um, yeah, all I can say is the Mavs need some of that historic offensive efficiency, some of that wizardry, that chess grandmaster <laughs> weirdly that luca ai chess grandmaster um mindset on uh the the play calling end of things but uh if we can see more of that and less of this uh i don't know run and gun free free flowing constantly just shoot a ton of shots to hope that you don't brick a ton of them i don't know i think Kyrie will be good i think luca will be good but i I think there will be a point where the Mavericks outside of them regress to the mean. Um, so some some of this is just system stuff, and who knows if the coaching staff is ready to rise to that challenge. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is too far ahead of the discussion, but I am kind of ruining the playoffs because I think aside from the Clippers, I don't know of what first-round matchup we even want. saying you would want the clippers or you don't want the clippers i'm saying i i would like the clippers it would be a tough series but i think the maps the maps would have a solid chance feel you um yeah i mean i would say i would i wouldn't mind facing them but this the last two playoff series give me a little ptsd um I'm not going to be super picky as to who we who I would want to face in the first round. Like I think all those teams are going to be tough. If you're going to ask me, probably Sacramento, just because they don't have that playoff experience. Um, but I mean, anyone we're going to face in the first round, I don't think it's going to be as I'm not going to say easy, but as uh, favorable as Utah was last year. That's interesting. I actually I think Sacramento poses a unique matchup nightmare for Dallas in a playoff series. Um, also, I, I would not underrate Mike Brown's coaching acumen. Um, also, they just have all the pieces for them to make some sort of like weird second round exit in their first playoff appearance in, I don't know, two centuries. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you're just asking me to pick between the six or so teams like Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Clippers, Suns. I mean, if I could choose, I would pick the Pelicans or Wolves. But, yeah, I mean, I think regardless, like our first-round matchup is going to be tough, and hopefully the first two games are at the American Airlines Center. Yeah, home court in the first round would go a long way again. But I agree with you that I don't think there's any particular opponent that you could feel like I'm really good about uh, with the Mavericks. But that's just the nature of the Western Conference this year, unless you're, you know, the Suns. I think any other team, uh, there's going to be a lot of parity in whatever first-round matchup there is. There's definitely parity. I just think I just think the Clippers will be a good series that the Mavs can win. I think they'll have a really hard time dealing with Kyrie. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to say for me. I think the only teams that I really fear for the Mavericks' sake are the Clippers the Suns and an outside shot of facing facing them in the first round, I think. But the Warriors, um, 
the Clippers, I mean, I'm not a big believer in like destiny or whatever, but I feel like it would be, you know, the third time in so many years with the same group of superstars going against each other. Um, I, I feel like the Mavericks are sort of due. And again, like that's just like some fanboy BS talking, but I, I just don't see how Luca going super saiyan every single time he faces the Clippers and losing to them in the playoffs every time he faces them, how he's going to let that slide for a third time, especially now that he has like adequate superstar help um, offensively in, in the form of Kyrie. Um, it's tough to say though, like, you know, at the end of the day, Kawhi still enjoys shooting 5,000% against us. So, uh, it's, I, that, that gives me nightmares. Even Paul George, he, he can have his good game games against the Mavericks. The Suns are just going to be, I actually do think the Mavericks could come away from a, from that series with a victory, but it's just going to be a tough ass fight. I would rather have that happen as late as possible if it happens at all and then all the other teams like you know the pelicans the timberwolves kings etc it's going to be tough but i do think that the mavericks have a good chance against all the rest of them except for maybe denver who i haven't talked about at all but that's just by nature of them having like being the number one seed and having Jokic and all that like it's it's tough to like predict um but yeah i do feel I don't feel I don't feel terrible about it. Yeah, I think I think you summed it up pretty well. And, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about potential matchups and things like that as the standings start to solidify a little bit. But what's clear right now is things are very bunched up and, you know, the Mavericks have every opportunity in the world to start racking up some wins here uh, and putting some distance between them and the play in. So we'll see what happens. I think this is a good place to end it right now. I don't know if you guys got anything else. Uh, yeah, no, I do quickly really want to no. say uh, I'm going to love it this offseason when the Mavericks do this uh, sign-and-trade of Christian Wood and Kyrie Irving for Anthony Davis and a bag of potato chips. <laughs> I, just I, I would hope that's not night. the case, man. I, I do not want to do that sign-and-trade. Although, if this the best yeah. option available, I suppose. But, Amen. It's a long Lizard, way away. Lizard people gave long me way away. All right, what can I say? I live in Long Hollywood. Way, way. I, I got I got a leak at the I got a leak at the lizard people script, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Really quickly though, I just wanted to bring like our next two games, Spurs Thursday, we better win, otherwise the Mavs Twitter is gonna literally combust. Sunday, ABC, we have the Lakers coming into town. I think the Lakers improved a lot after the deadlines and they're Fighting for their playoff lives, literally, uh, the rest of the season. So I think that's going to be a super, super fascinating game. And I'm sure that Kyrie to the Lakers won't be mentioned at all by the halftime crew or the pregame crew. Or Vince Carter on ESPN the night after. I wonder what yeah, Andrew well, Perkins we'll has see. to say about Kyrie Irving to the, to the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens when the Mavericks make the playoffs at all and the Lakers are still stuck in the 11th seed. They make their great push to the 11th seed. I That that group of guys over there, I know LeBron is basically the GOAT, but outside of him, and yes, I'm counting AD here too, I, they, they don't move me. They just don't. <laughs>
they don't move me either. Um, I, the only team I'm truly scared of is the Suns. Um, same. That's it. Anyone else, I feel very good about the Mavs' chances. I mean, even against the Suns, I think we can compete against them. So I'm not ruling us out right now, but uh, we got to see a little bit more, I think, before we can draw any definitive conclusions. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The Suns are the only only people I'm kind of nervous for. That's just because they have KD. If, If it wasn't, I would not be nervous. So, I do think this is a good place to end off the episode. So, uh, God bless the Mavs, and I hope the Anthony Davis era serves us better than the past. This this is a depressing end of the podcast. I'm I'm cutting cutting that part out. This is ridiculous. You are on indefinite unpaid suspension. Of course, damn it. All right, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining me for this episode. Always great to talk to you on a real podcast. And thanks, everyone, who has been listening to us the last couple of weeks. Uh, the trade deadline uh, season was really fun, and that was largely because of everyone who came on our spaces and, and talked and shared their opinion about the Mavs. So uh, we'll get back to that here soon, uh, but we wanted to do one with just us. And uh, if you haven't, go uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, please leave a review if you like what you hear. Uh, we'll be doing some giveaways related to that. So um, be sure to leave us a review and, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter if you haven't, at Mavs Film Room. We are very close to 8,000 followers, so appreciate all your support. Um, and maybe we'll hit 10,000 soon. So we'll see you all maybe after Thursday. Go Mavs. <laughs>